0: Uh, Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. Uh, This is Brendan Lemon, of course. This is where I have, like, by the way, I should let you know, Sylvia, I have, like, probably 50 subscribers. All of them are in the Russian Federation. Uh, They're (laughs) they're all—they're all—the big joke on the podcast is that Vladimir uh, V. Putin is the one who tunes in and listens to this, like, week over week. Like, he's our— He's our core demographic. I think we're trying to go for that Russian oligarch uh, audience.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) I feel like if I ever
0: ever toured like Russia, eh, I could probably put together a hell of a good show, like in Moscow or something. (laughs) Right. Have you ever done, by the way, I should ask you, have you ever done stand-up outside of the States?
1: I have not, but I will be doing Europe next month. So.
0: Oh, really? where are you going?
1: Um well, that's all being put together by my assistant at the moment, so I don't have anything locked in.
0: So. Okay, cool. well, we should actually we should talk about that uh, maybe offline. I actually used to live in Paris and did um as i'm found uh, as I'm fond of telling everyone only every opportunity I get. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I used to live over there and did stand up there for a while and started a comedy show that's still going on actually over there five years later, which okay. is pretty cool. Yeah. So if you end up in Paris, um, you know, you should, uh, I'll connect you with a whole bunch of people cause there's a really, there's a bunch of really good shows that go on out there.
1: Okay. Really cool.
0: Um, okay. So now that we've thoroughly lost the audience in the first two minutes of this <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast, um I just would like to introduce my guest today uh Sylvia Sage. She is a comedian and porn star, uh, adult film actress as your website says. Um yeah. and <laughs> I uh, I'm also odd about the term. I felt like I heard you correct uh Murray on the um the Road Stories podcast and I was like that feels appropriate yeah. like
1: <laughs> Yeah. It's a, it's a term that I, I dislike people using because I do get that question a lot of like, what qualifies you as a star? And I'm like, well, I don't ever qualify myself as that. I That's why I say I'm just an adult film actress. But I will say at this point, four years in, and I mean, three to four hundred movies at this point. I don't know. I quit counting a long time ago. I think that that qualifies me. I don't know anybody else in Hollywood who's been in four hundred movies. so
0: That's true. <laughs> That's, I I can't think of a, that's true. I can't <laughs> Mainstream
1: think of Hollywood anyway. Mainstream yeah, Hollywood. Let's right.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can't think of, I mean, I think how many, how many guest spots, even character actors don't get that much work.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So I love it when people try to downplay porn, like we're not actually working actors. So,
0: yeah, I don't, I mean, <laughs> like I've, you know, it's not like I haven't been on Pornhub. I mean, like pro- millions of hits on some videos. I mean, you're, you know. People, you got right. five times the population of Iceland. So that's like if everyone in Iceland, man, woman, and child watched a video five times each.
1: Right, right, exactly, exactly. People forget how big of an industry it is while they're looking down upon it, you know?
0: I find that super ironic. And actually, part of the reason, just to, to, to not bury the headline, I think part of the reason that I really was interested in having you on the podcast is that I find, I think this, I talked to Chanel Preston about this a little bit when she was on the podcast, but I think that there's some kind of strange crossover between porn you know adult film acting and comedy in this sort of bizarre way because I think that both being funny or having a sense of humor and then sex sex and sexuality are things that people both do naturally in their life and they do it for fun and what and I think that comedians have a kind of strange switch that's been flipped in their head where they're like, no, I should make this a job.
1: (laughs) Right. Right.
0: Like, sometimes I think, like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I going out of my way to try? And not that it isn't fun, but like, you know, sometimes it's fun, but sometimes when it's bad, you're like, Jesus, why am I doing this to myself?
1: Yeah. There's, there's definitely along the, the years a few times where you get off stage and you're like, why am I doing this? Or when you, like tonight, I have a show that's at 11 o'clock tonight. And, you know, I see my trainer at 8 a.m. every morning. So it's like, ugh, I'm going to do a show I'm not getting paid for where I don't, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it, it gets exhausting. Oh my God, you're of so... The free shows that I do as a comic is insulting. No, you're so, <laughs> yeah. you know,
0: it's so real too. That's so, that is so, that's like... That's so real. That just to compare that to your other profession, that would be like, no, you have to do like a hundred scenes for free before right. anybody's going to pay you. Right? <laughs> so yeah, rid- I
1: would kill someone in that. <laughs>
0: <bed>. <laughs> it's so ridiculous because I and then people. What's bis- completely bizarre about it is that people will compete with each other to try to get that free show, and then when you, whenever oh, you yeah. whenever you ask for money, people are like, "Well, wait, this isn't isn't this like you're sub- like." They're like, what? Like, you want to get paid for this? Like, it's 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 super weird. And I mean, I've been doing it same thing. I've been doing it for a long time, Uh, and it the amount of times that I've been paid and even been paid like decently has I could count on almost one hand. So it's
1: oh, I absolutely can count on decently paid anyway. Other than that, it's being paid in alcohol
0: or marijuana or yeah, or like something, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Stage exact- <laughs> time is considered payment
0: in Los Angeles. So, <laughs> Say, oh yeah, no, no doubt. Stage time is. I have a couple of friends who are comics out there and who have moved from there, and it was basically like exactly that reason. Just they can't get enough stage time, and so it's like just this huge oh. challenge. In, but, so here's what that? I want. Here's what I wanted to talk to you about is like I know that you've given kind of this story on other podcasts a little bit, but I'm kind of fascinated about how you did comedy for a while before you ever got into adult mm-hmm. film acting and. It was funny because yeah. I had this conversation with some of my friends like weeks ago, and somebody was kind of like, hey man, we were on tour, this was um, this was a while ago, and this is a conversation that, you know, comics always kind of have, I suppose, but they were like, man, would you, what would you do to like really enable yourself to do comedy? And the question was always like, would <laughs> you suck a dick for comedy?
1: <laughs> everybody, in,
0: everybody in the car was like, yeah, I would do that. And then I ran across your yeah. comedy. And I I actually, interestingly, did not know you from the adult film world, but I ran across your comedy on YouTube. Okay. And I mm-hmm. was like, this is so... I was like, this is so funny. She's like, literally, she's, she's like, got into doing adult film acting because it does enable it. And not that you don't probably yes, enjoy yeah. your profession as well, um, but I thought it was just really fascinating. I was like, I really, I need to have you on the pod to talk about that. So I'm curious how you got into comedy first, because you were doing it years before you ever got into adult film acting.
1: I was, yeah. I got into stand-up in Kansas City, which is where I'm originally from, um, and I was, honestly, I was just at a point in my life where I was extremely unhappy. I worked in um, the medical field for eight years, mm. and uh, and I was just tired of the Monday through friday grind and i'm i was i think i was making forty thousand dollars a year and capping out and barely being able to pay anything and just being miserable and mm. i was going out to comedy clubs with a friend and he was doing open mics and i was like wow that's awesome you know looking at open mics like it was like the end all yeah. be all and uh, <laughs> oh,
0: oh you sweet <laughs> summer human. child
1: <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> And he was like, you can do it too, and signed me up for an open mic. And for whatever reason, the first night I did an open mic with no ammunition of any sort, uh, it went well. And, you know, as a fellow comic, there's something about that rush of having people laugh at you on a stage, that it's better than sex, it's better than anything I've ever felt. It's an adrenaline rush like no other, and I wanted it, and I wanted more of it. And so I honestly right about that time after just doing, you know, stand up very, very briefly, I kind of committed and said, this is what I want to do. I'm done with medicine. And I quit my real job and started bartending uh, so I could keep saving money and, and doing what I needed to do and be doing stand up at night. And saved up enough money to move to Los Angeles because I thought if you're going to pursue it, you can't be in Kansas City. You know, yeah. you got to be in Chicago, LA, New York, a big city that's going to do something with it. So yeah, yeah, I picked up and moved to LA. Long story short, LA is extremely fucking expensive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, and porn was an easy way for me to, I had a friend that was already working in the industry mm. and it was just an easy way to make, a lot of money really quickly and support myself and in the beginning it was honestly just money and that's exactly what it was and then a few months in I was like I could spin this and make it you know talk about porn in my stand-up and the moment I started doing that changed my trajectory of my career forever yeah and uh, I started getting phone calls from people and getting on bigger stages and I deserved by all means of the imagination. I think I had five minutes of of material when I had clubs calling and asking if I would headline just because my name was bigger than I was. Oh
0: my so, gosh. Yeah. See yeah, this is so
1: I had to learn to sink or swim. But let's up, <laughs>
0: but but let's let me let's back up. So you were in Kansas City and you're yeah. working in the medical industry and your your friend was doing open mics. What this is this is fascinating to me because I think that this this is like something that I like to explore with, I think, a lot of comics who are on the pod, which is like, yeah. there is something, there are, so, I mean, the the fear of public speaking is the number one fear that right. it, that anybody has. I mean, people, Jerry Seinfeld has a joke where he's like, you would, if you go to a funeral, it's higher than death. Like, if you go to a funeral, people would rather be in the coffin than giving exactly. the eulogy. <laughs> and so it's funny, right. like, what about that? Uh, What about it going and watching it made you be like, Oh, I want to do this.
1: Um, I think (laughs) this is, I'm going to get real deep. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. Uh, it stems from just always wanting to be the center of attention. I have, I'm a youngest sibling of a very talented older brother who was always stealing the spotlight and shining in his own way. And I was just cast in his shadow for a long time. So the moment somebody gave me a microphone and said, "We're going to listen to you," I was like, "Oh, it's on." <laughs> you were like, "Oh shit!" Here we go.
0: Here <laughs> it's we f- my
1: time to shine now. <laughs> Finally. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so, what did you and talk we about? That. We talk about.
0: So, what did you talk about? Like the first time you went up on stage, what were your uh, what were your jokes about?
1: Oh, uh, horrible! Uh, I look back <laughs> at it now. because I, like, I kept all my old books. I've kept every comedy book I've ever had. Oh, you know that I've written my jokes down in, and uh, I look back at the first one just because I was like, maybe I had some good stuff. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, I don't know what the fuck I was talking about. I mean, I was talking about lighthouse operators and how much they must masturbate. And I just, you know, <laughs> just, you know.
0: oh, classic comedy <laughs> fodder.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know when you had like no joke writing skills. You know that. What do you things. mean? What so, do you like, mean
0: when I had? <laughs>
1: Right. (laughs) Right. Well, I assume that now we know how to make a punchline work and you know how to make you know, you know how to throw things in now. I didn't know what a punchline was. You know, I didn't know what a callback was. Yeah, I was just just talking out my ass is what I was doing.
0: Yeah, that's that's so great. But you got laughs the
1: first time you went up. Yeah, I don't know if they were laughing at me or with me, but they were laughing, so it's <laughs> all good. That's so. That's <laughs> I great. I still don't know if they're laughing at me or with me at this point in my life either. So
0: who knows? Oh man, but I well, don't really care. Yeah, you're like whatever. They're laughing one way or another. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. Right. That's so. That. But like, I I think that that's it's so fascinating because you're. I saw your set. I think at the belly room in uh at the oh. comedy store.
1: Oh, nice! Yeah, online. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I saw your set at the Belly Room on YouTube, and it was a good. It was a really good set, and I thought it was fascinating because there are a lot of adult film actresses who I think try to do. Like I saw, I forget her name, but I saw some years ago. I saw the uh, another uh, adult film actresses. Stand up, and I remember thinking, "This is." Re-. And I mean, uh, look. In her defense, anybody like we just talked about, anybody who gets up who's who's not done it or or anything uh, has spent much time doing it is going to have a hell of a time trying to make anything work. Right. So, in her in her defense. Right. Like she could have been, you know, new on stage and and maybe it could have been her second time. But I saw I saw it. I remember being like, this is not very good. And yeah, I know. And it was kind of strange because I just was like, this is just this is creating a very weird kind of environment. But I thought yours was fascinating because you went right into it. And it, it was actually in a strange way, like such an effective hook that I was kind of like, I everyone in this room watches porn, knows about it and has never probably engaged with the, a person who's really on the inside of it who can not only talk about it articulately, but also can talk about it intelligently and has jokes about it and makes us all comfortable with it. And that, but, I thought, was... Well, I don't know
1: how comfortable I make people with it, but I'll talk about <laughs> it. <Yeah.
0: laughs> all right, good point. I mean, you're not going around talking to middle schools or anything, but
1: I feel right, like... Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> I would, that'd be, that would be... The best slash worst assembly in the history of eighth grade. <laughs> I feel like you know uh, what
1: those kids need me though. They need a new sex ed, and I think I could handle it. Oh my god, down. they so do. So. They so
0: do, Sylvia. Because I had I'm scar- I was scarred for t- probably a decade from at least from my sex ed class. It was just taught by this angry, o- o- like older, unfucked woman <laughs> who just. Right. Well, and they it. all
1: give the same message: absence or these horrible diseases. Like they just show you these awful diseases, and you're like, if you have sex, you're going to get these or a baby. Like, I mean, that, you, no-
0: <laughs> its like it's a, it's a, you're giving me flashbacks. Like it was basically exactly <laughs> exactly that conversation. It was just she—I just yeah. remember sitting in the science lab and her like reading this book, and she's like, "Okay, so men have a penis." Got it? And you're like, Ugh, uh I, like I've never felt so threatened by my own body part.
1: <laughs> right, that's just it. They do make it feel so threatening and not welcoming in any way, shape or form. So there needs to be a new sex ed and anytime any school's down, I'm ready. So
0: This would be that would be I mean, I, maybe that's, I don't know, there could, that could be a real thing, I feel like. There could be a real for, for the right I don't I mean, I could see it for the right edgy art school. There could be a real sex ed class taught by Sylvia Sage. Also, also that's a hilarious idea for your sitcom, by the way. I think I just gave it to thank
1: you. you. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> Sylvia Sage, comma, sex ed teacher. Uh, actually, I think I've seen that video online now that I'm thinking about it.
1: I was going to say, I think I've made that video, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure I have. I was going to say
0: it was 0.25% of all the videos you made. I'm pretty sure. Um,
1: <laughs> right.
0: that's, that's funny. Uh, so, okay. So, so, so you're in Kansas city. Do you, are you still in co- contact with any of the people who you originally were doing stand up with? Are they still doing it or are they, have they, did they move out to one of sort of the big cities that you mentioned?
1: You know, I have not kept in touch with the people I started with, so I have no idea, to be honest with you. Yeah. I do, so, uh, Glenn Bolton is a Kansas City comic who now lives out here, and we see each other every once in a while. Um, and another, uh, female comic that I, I kind of keep tabs on online that we've done some shows together, but, uh, not a whole lot, to be honest with you. I cut my ties from Kansas City other than my family pretty long ago. So. Uh, got it. I uh, yeah, it wasn't the best city to me growing up. We'll just put it that way, <laughs>
0: got it, I mean, you know, I had a lot of
1: problems I couldn't get out fast enough, yeah,
0: so all right, well, that's good. It sounds like you landed in a good i mean, you have a you have a solid it seems like you have a pretty solid like space around you, and I think, like especially if you're going on tour in Europe, I think that's pretty cool, um so
1: yeah, so I've been very lucky, not very lucky.
0: Well, it seems like you also work very hard, and it feels like you're very determined. Like that's what I think is fascinating about listening to you sort of talk about it, like on road stories and some of the other stuff that I've heard you on. Is that like you're just you're very focused. You're like, yeah, I just want to do. I really want to do stand up, and like it. It's weird because I think a lot of people don't understand, and and even people who, you know, I've had a number of of bookers on this podcast, including um, some people from Zanies here in Chicago, the Laugh Factory. Um, comedy bar uh, here in Chicago. Hopefully, I'm going to get uh, Mark Ridley from uh, the Comedy Castle, who was an, a mentor and influence of mine when I first started out uh, from Detroit. It's the longest-running club owned by a single owner in the United States. Uh, it's been open for like 40-something years. It's really it's pretty cool. And all of those guys, they kind of have the same... They have a similar kind of approach where they talk about doing comedy and they're basically like, look, if you're not charging money you're not a professional comic i'm sorry you're just not you're doing it as a hobby and what's weird is like i feel bizarre i feel kind of strange about that for a couple reasons i think the first of which is that it's like it's the most bizarre profession because it's like you have to do like we already talked about so much first before i mean you have to be really fucking good it's almost like no other profession in the sense that you have to be really really good And you have to have some, (laughs) yeah, you easily have to be. And it's funny because like, just like your story, like you mentioned earlier, like your name gets popular because of adult film. And then you start having all this poll and people want to see you. And quite frankly, like that's, I don't begrudge that at all. I think that's awesome. Like whatever gets people's asses and seats to come and see you, it's like, then you can work on material, you can do shit. You can, you know, you have people want to put you up on stage. Like I totally get it. It's just fascinating to me because it it feels, it it feels unlike anything else. And you mentioned in a couple of interviews I've heard with you where you've said, um, or actually not a couple. I think you just mentioned it on the on the one with Murray where you were like, "Yeah, I fucking barely make money doing this, but I love it. I'm just going to keep doing it."
1: Yeah, it's yeah, so true. I make pretty much nothing doing comedy. If I didn't have the other, I would be definitely homeless. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: And I feel, yeah, I, uh, let's, let's avoid, it's pretty hard to do stand up when you have literally no place to sleep.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly.
0: Um, so what, so then let, let me ask you, what was your time like when you first got to LA and you were getting into the comedy scene and how long were you there for before you decided you wanted to move into the world of adult, uh, you know, film acting? Uh, well, it's funny. I
1: actually moved out there, um, And then, well, well, let me backtrack. I came out to Los Angeles, got my apartment, signed my lease, came back to Kansas City to pack up my stuff and drive out. And I got a DUI about a week before I moved. So all of the money I had been saving to make this move to Los Angeles now went to my DUI. And so I moved to Los Angeles with like $4,000. And if you know anything about Los Angeles, rent here is, two grand a month at bare minimum. So I didn't have a job. And I was now in my apartment that I could afford to live in for one month. And, uh, and I was screwed. So I immediately got two different jobs. I got a job at a construction company, and I got a job bartending um, at night, and I wasn't doing any comedy for the first four months I was here just because I was working nonstop, just trying to stay afloat. And that is when my friend came from Kansas City to come stay with me because she had always wanted to work in adult films. And she would, called me up and said, hey, can I come stay with you? And my immediate thought was, yes, someone who can help me pay my rent, of course, come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so, <laughs> and she came out and uh, I saw her make 10 grand in a week. And Holy I was shit. like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, I was like, here I am. Barely, I, like, I'm, I was rationing food to the point where I was like one piece of chicken and one potato for the week. And I was just rationing out how much of that I could eat. Like that's yeah, that how sounds,
0: I was. It sounds pretty and, much like a, uh, every comedian I know in Chicago.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> so it was, it was horrific. And I saw her make that kind of money and I, thought, and I was 30 at this point in time. And I thought, you know what? I'm 30 years old. I'm a college-educated woman. If I want to go have sex, for a living. I'm going to do it. And I just called my family, kind of broke the news to them first because I didn't want them finding out from any other source other than my mouth. Um, And once they, not that I, my family is not like rooting for me to like, yeah, we love you being in porn, but they also know (laughs) I'm a grown woman and, you know, they weren't going to change my opinion. So uh, they support and love as much as they can, although wishing I wouldn't, (laughs) Uh, but they get it, you know? So and then from that point on, I was like, okay, here we go. Porn it is. And then I had to, my lease was up because I only signed a four-month lease. And I ended up moving to Las Vegas to save money because L.A. was so expensive. Mm. And then that's when I got back into comedy. So my comedy came really like my big upcoming started in Vegas. Mm. And I started out there with a bunch of Vegas comics. And the great thing about Vegas comics is they work a lot with L.A. people.
0: Tons. So by the
1: time I was ready to come back to L.A. a year and a half later, I already had a name for myself and people knew who I was. So it worked out really well for me to come back into L.A. being a Vegas comic, you, um, having some air to it, you know?
0: Yeah. This, this all I mean, this, it sounds like it was like it's, it was a kind of a smooth transition. I'm curious. I have so many questions yeah. uh, from what you just said. I'm curious, yeah. though, do you know Sam Talent in uh, Vegas? Do you run into him?
1: Sam who? Say
0: that again. Sam Talent, who's a comedian. He's from Denver. He lives in Vegas now, I think.
1: I don't think I do. I haven't lived in Vegas for a few years now. But, oh, uh, got it. His okay. name does not... Know, got
0: it. Just curious. Not um, saying
1: I haven't met him. <laughs> I'm just horrible with people's names. Yeah,
0: so. no worries at all. I feel like I'm the same way. If I see faces, I get it. But, like, I'm very... Yes. The biggest problem is that I... And this is 100% true... I will, this is so awful, I will ask someone their name and then not pay attention when they tell me,
1: like, a moment oh, later. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I can meet someone and shake their hand, and then I don't know what their, I don't, the next thing out of my mouth could be their name, and it, I'd be like, no, though. So, I will. But I'm, I don't feel like names mean a whole lot to people either, because, I mean, I have multiple names. I don't really care, you know? I don't. I always say like that too because I'm not a mom yet. I play a milf on every role I've ever played in porn. You know, Dude, yeah. So why, do like, you, you yeah why do they cast you?
0: Yeah, why do they cast you? Is that? Because I, I noticed that, like, uh, when I was
1: yeah, you
0: know, doing some research. <laughs> no, I mean I noticed that and I, I was like, why the you. fuck? Because you don't look like a. I'm mean, going to be honest with you. You don't look like a mom, and like I know that you're in your 30s, but you don't look like a mom, yeah. and it's kind of strange to me why they're always casting you. And then there's like there was some scene that. That I saw that it was like, they were like, uh, it was like Sylvia and some, you know, daughter, stepdaughter seduced some, uh, her boyfriend or something. And I was like, like, I, like I love that I'm representing it like I didn't fucking watch it intently. But the point is, is that I was watching it and I was like, this, I was like, they don't, she doesn't look like her, da- her stepdaughter. She doesn't look like she could possibly be her stepdaughter. Like, did Sylvia have this girl right. when she was eight? Like, it doesn't make any sense. right So why, why you did you know- that-
1: it's silly, but what it is, is um, anytime you're over the age of 30, and especially if you have fake breasts, so fake boobs are what move you into the mom category Got the it. quickest. Yeah, so, and my age combined with the fake boobs, I never stood a chance, you know, so I was immediately rushed into mom roles right out of the gate.
0: <laughs> that's, hol- that's hilarious. <laughs> It's kind of yeah. I think the reason but I you know
1: what? As long as they're paying my bills, I don't care what they do. Yeah, call who gives me. a shit, right? So.
0: That's that this is what I kind of enjoy about this is that you have you have this detachment cuz and that's what I like about you talking about on stage is that like in order to do comedy about something you have to have some kind of curious, I think detachment from it where you can't be like like I do think that there's comedy that can come from a place of like attachment meaning like anger or 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 hurt or like something like that but you have to have enough space that you can step back from it and kind of make fun of it and see it from different angles and it's funny because it's like you're this is exactly your opinion yours are like I don't give a fuck what they call me as long as they're fucking paying me (laughs)
1: like (laughs) yeah yeah so true and yeah I mean I play some really horrific roles I mean I have one movie and it's Probably what I would say is my biggest movie to date because more people email me on that movie than anything I've ever done. And it's uh, called Lost Weekend. And it's a three-part series where I have sex with, in in quotations, my son. So it's supposed to be a real life, like, this is my child. I've given birth to real incest shit. And, of course, I have no children. That's silly. And the man who was playing my son was three years older than I was.
0: Uh, that's that's
1: that is so funny it, it's creepy <laughs> it is creepy as shit and that's why i always tell people i remember i am an actress i do not have children these are not my children yeah i am playing a role you know so you very much have to remind people of that because people get very um what's the word i'm looking for aggressive about yeah. their porn <laughs> oh man because it's like it's
0: tapping into because i mean like, like it's you know the, the 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 strongest you know the strong i used to have this joke about this uh years ago talking about losing my virginity and being in high school but the it's the strongest um you know pro, the procreation is the strongest urge that any living creature has is just to to, to continue you know and you're actually, it's, this is why I think pornography is so fascinating and why it, it, it bizarrely, I think it, it's why everyone watches it but no one will acknowledge it is because you're you're playing with people's sort of deepest sort of shadow personas and literally the things that people go in and talk to therapists about are the subject of the things that you do. So people probably watch that movie because all of these people and love it or hate it because they literally have issues with their you know, if they're a guy issues with their parents or their or or mother or like there's some kind of strange, you know, deep seated things that are moving around the mental furniture of their brain and they're working themselves out and they're watching it happen on their computer screen, probably. And so it's just it's I think that's really fascinating. It it doesn't surprise me that you probably get a ton of emails about that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I probably get I would say on average about, well, it used to be a lot more. I was used to getting like probably five to 10 a week on that movie. Now it's kind of blown past, so it must not be up on Pornhub's front page any longer. Uh, um, but I still get a couple of months on that porn alone. It's crazy. And it's always that one. It's the one I get the most autograph requests for and everything. It's crazy.
0: Do like moms ever show up with their kid, their sons, and try to get <laughs> you to sign it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I haven't had that one happen
0: yet. Not yet. I feel like when you do, you. <laughs> I hope you never do, actually, now that I say it. I hope that never,
1: <laughs> or maybe for the
0: subject of a bit, that might be a really good experience to have, but. <laughs>
1: You're right. Hey, I can make it happen for a bit. You know what I'm saying? That's, so, uh, that's Not everything in comedy
0: is the truth. <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, that's a good point. And that's something, by the way, that's what I think is fascinating about this too, is I think that there's. The thing there's, I can imagine. I don't know if this is the case, but I can imagine there's this unique crossover between you know porn and comedy in this way too. Like I started doing stand up when I was 16 years old, and I would, oh wow, I would say stuff on stage. Yeah, I five years before I lost my virginity, by the way. So I don't, I don't wow, know the, Yeah. That's
1: crazy. Yeah,
0: it was so bad, Sylvia. I was like the most frustrated. I have never. I've talked about it on stage only a little bit, but it's still. It's still cl- too close to the vest for me to have comedic distance from. So, like, I, I was the most frustrated for five. Year- oh my god, for 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 years, I was so mad. And like, it's so fucked up because I. This is gonna sound make me sound like such an awful person, but I like I these guys who are these incel dudes who are so angry about uh. like and like drive cars into groups of people, which is a, a tr- horrifying and a tragedy, or like p- guys who like go you know shoot up their school or something i'm like that's fucked up but i but i get it like i get where it comes from (laughs) it's it's completely weird and i know that i'm completely if if anyone's still listening 30 minutes in i've alienated them well they're from the russian federation i mean they probably deal with this shit anyway they're probably part
1: of the incel. so be careful (laughs) that's totally that's
0: totally accurate um (laughs) <laughs> no, but like I get it. Like I think that there's so anyway. To back up, I was 16 years old and I was doing stand up, and I remember my grandparents came and saw me, and I'm on stage at like Ridley's Comedy Castle in Detroit and talking about how I wanted to like bang this chick in my chemistry class or something, and was saying just like ridiculous things and and getting laughs. And my grandparents, and then I later found out my grandparents were there, and they were like, Oh, so... you didn't
1: know to begin with?
0: No, 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 I didn't know. Like, my parents had told them that I was doing stand-up and they came out. And it was so weird because, Um, like, they don't... People don't understand that, like, you're a comedic persona on stage. And that who that persona is has something to do with who you are. It can't be completely inauthentic, but it isn't, like, you. Like, it's a facet of you that you're presenting to the audience. And I I think that's fascinating because I can imagine the same is probably true with porn. Is that you're probably in a unique position of like bringing forward some facet of yourself, but it's not a, it's not a, that's not a hundred percent of who you are. It's not a, it's, it's a, it's a performance that you're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, the creepy things I say on both stage and on film are definitely not 100% (laughs) me. I used to do this joke and I don't know why I don't do it any longer just because things fade, I guess. But, uh, I used to do a joke about my dad doing cocaine off of my tits and uh, my dad has never done any drug in his life, let alone off of my tits. But that was his favorite that was my dad's favorite joke. He loved that joke, would even ask me to tell people that joke when we were at a restaurant and it, <laughs> I think just because it had to deal with him, you know, it was he yeah. talked about him regardless of how obscene and absurd it was, yeah. you know? So
0: I it sounds yeah. like he has a great sense of humor, actually. Um, oh, he does. Yeah. Well, that, No, but I think that like, I totally get it. Like I think that there, I think that it, there's something, I don't know. There's something there. The, um, I wanted to back up though. And I wanted to ask about, Oh wait, so, so your friend knew that she wanted to go into adult like films from when she was like, she went, how old was she when she was like, no, I want to do that.
1: Oh, I met the girl when she was, I think we started working together when she was 19 and I was 28 and, mm. uh, and she, and she moved out here when she was 22. We worked together for a few years at the bar I worked at, um, in Kansas city. Got it. And from the day I met her, she was like, I want to have sex with you. You're so hot and blah, blah, blah. She is, was wanting to do porn from the day I met the girl. And I said to her, you know, well, that's very sweet of you. Um, but I'm not into women and lo and behold, Four years later, my very first porn scene was with her and she got ah, me. So.
0: that's hilarious.
1: <laughs> that's a
0: that's she a her that's a girl who's good at chess.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> she she's played thinking, the game for four long years. <laughs> she's thinking four
0: moves ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. Oh man. Uh that's hilarious. She sounds like my girlfriend. She like this is the thing about my girlfriend. She's uh she's a spider who is slowly enclosing me in her web.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's put the web up and you're just uh, walking around until you get stuck. Is that That's what a, this is? This is so real,
0: though, Sylvia, because, like, she, she's, like – and she's totally figured it out because, like, she's so sweet and she's so nice and I have nothing to complain about, and she, like, knows that. So she just is, like <laughs> – you know, we like, we met three years ago and legitimately, like now three years later, we're like living together. And she's like, we should get on the family plan. And then she's like, how many kids do you want? Like seven or like two or like what? And I'm, and she's like funny about it and making jokes. And I'm like, she, I'm like, you joke now, but like, I'm going to, you're going to get your IUD out. Yeah. And then you're going to have a kid like, and then we're going to be on the family plan and you're going to sell it to me because you're going to be like, oh, it's easier. And like all this stuff. And like, It's so, and she, she totally fucking got me because she's like, when we first started dating, she's like, we don't have to, she's like, you can see other girls. Like, I don't even care. Just do whatever you want. Like, and I'm like, wow, that's so awesome. And then the next day I'm like, Hey, do you want to go get some beers or something like that? You know, like you're just so fun. (laughs) Like she fucking totally, she's like a black widow, man. She knew the
1: game she was playing
0: and she played it well. She she knew the game and she played it well. Um, so uh, good for her where did I want it there was the the other thing I wanted to get into after we were talking about your friend and uh doing oh by the way I saw the doing cocaine off your tits joke that is really that actually is a really <laughs> funny joke um,
1: thank you
0: <laughs> so where do you get a lot of like how often are you getting up now and like where are you getting a lot of your where are you getting a lot of your material from
1: uh, so usually I get up a few times a week out here, um, just doing random shows wherever I can. I've got, like I said, I got that show tonight at eleven o'clock, um, randomly. Uh, but I just talk about life, you know. I, I still do a big bit about how I left corporate America because I think that is a big part that ties me to the audience because being an attractive female doing comedy is hard enough. And then I throw in that I'm sucking a lot of dick. And most of these people are on dates at a comedy club. So if I don't talk about being a real person for one second, I'm going to lose my audience. So I try real hard to connect and, um, and talk about how I was a real person once upon a time, you know, so <laughs> before I throw in all the really awkward porn stuff. But then I just I make porn relatable and fun, and I kind of ruin it for the men a little bit, and I think that resonates with the women, you know, uh, talk about the the ins and the outs of it and the bad and the funny and and the not trueness, you know, so yeah. I just uh, I try to make it as relatable to the real world as I possibly can. I try to not jump into their date in an offensive way, but just in a way they're going to remember me. That one thing about comedy, and I know that you know this, is you have to be the most memorable person they saw that night. Oh, without a doubt. you're you're doing shows with, you know, four comics at at least. Sometimes I do shows with 10 comics on the lineup, you know? So, or fuck, 15 comics on the lineup, depending on how long the show is. And you really got to, you know outshine those people in some way shape or form without just being the loudest person on stage you know so it it's tough but I just try to stick to me as much as possible I
0: think it's fascinating because it humanizes you to the crowd I think that like it you know it speaking from about who you are and sort of where you come from really I, I mean I think it makes it's a game changer when you're able to do it As any kind of comic, but I think especially sort of from your position, it's it's fascinating because I think that you you have to you you have to in exactly the way that you just described like that that wall has become even more insurmountable, especially if people recognize your name or your build as like adult film actress uh, Sylvia Sage. Like
1: I, I typically don't let them pull me on stage as adult film actress. I just always my biggest credit is doing HBO movies. Um, I've done some late night stuff. Uh, so my biggest credit is HBO. And I always just say that, just say you see me on HBO because they don't know if I've got an HBO special, special. you know, they don't know. They don't know why I've been on HBO. So I want to break that to them. That's amazing. That is
0: so fucking awesome. You're like, yeah, no, she's just like, she's just like Drew Michael. (laughs) Like she's (laughs) right. She she has a game changing comedy special. It's it's the best. Right. The punchline is when she has sex with her son.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to be the one to break that to them because I think I can do it the easiest. I've had some people, you know, pull me on stage saying I'm adult film actress, you know, without my consent because you can't control what the host is going to say about you. Sometimes so yep. they just spit it out, and I'm like, man, you ruined. The whole set. You know, like what am I gonna do now? Like now I've gotta start five minutes into my set because you already ruined the first five minutes. Oh my (laughs) god.
0: I need to get some host to introduce me in Chicago as adult film actor Brendan Lemon. (laughs) Just see.
1: That would be great. That would be great.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I put on my Twitter years ago because I thought it was really funny. I put uh comedian writer male escort and i and more than one time i've had people ask me they're like are you you're not really a male escort and i'm like do i fucking look like a male i'm five foot nine hey. dude like
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey you never know i would tell you right now there is somebody for fucking everybody that is so i could not be more true it doesn't matter what shape or size or form you come in There are people that want to fuck you, and there are people who are going to watch you. They're going to pay to watch you fuck, I promise. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: that sounds, uh, you know what? Coming from you, I feel like that sounds really reassuring, actually. I feel like I just got more confident listening to that.
1: (laughs) I'm telling you, being an adult has made my confidence sore just because I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea and people, there's still negative comments. I don't read the comments any longer, but there's still negative people that are going to try to bring you down. You know, I get like, what are you going to get your nose done and, and, and mean things like that. But I, at the same time, there's the amount of people who are like, Oh my God, you're perfect and gorgeous. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine. For every person who thinks I need to chop the tip of my nose off. There's 10 people who think that I just landed the moon. So yeah. It are different strokes for different folks. You can't be everybody's cup of tea, but porn will make you feel prettier than anything you've ever done. <laughs> what? what, what, what the, let's and com- I've been modeling since I was eight years old, so I will tell you that that is a true statement. <laughs> well,
0: and and comedy like this, it's fascinating because I would be interested to know which which feels better when you like when you have like a when you smash it out of the park on stage or when you get like a hundred emails from people from a new scene and they're just like, you're the m- most gorgeous woman on the planet like which which one do you think is more sort of satisfying?
1: oh my god comedy hands down every time
0: that's cool every time
1: that I mean, makes that makes I me feel getting, <laughs> yeah I love getting fan mail um and I don't get fan mail for comedy if I do it's they just mention like I also love your comedy but it's all for you know <laughs> porn and and I love that. I love getting it, and I have the greatest fans ever, and I really do mean that. And they're fantastic with words of encouragement on a constant basis. But to get a standing ovation in a room doing comedy is by far the best orgasm I've ever had. So there's, there's <laughs> such
0: a there's such a powerful feeling. I think orgasm is not too is not too enact I mean, it's 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 not far from that. Like I think that like there's yeah. really. There's there's a feeling of like I think power or 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 something like it that comes from this feeling of you're like oh, yeah. I fucking own this room, like.
1: Well, and, and the crazy thing is, is like the adrenaline. I mean, I can't sleep for hours after I do stand up because I'm just so pumped up. You know, like it just feels amazing. So,
0: yeah, it definitely is like a especially like it when it when it goes. When it either way, I think almost, and it's strange because I've been doing it for so long, and like people always like normal people have have asked civilians, non comedy mm-hmm. folk, normies, mm-hmm. muggles, yes, have yeah. asked me. They're like, "What do you do?" Like, but I'm like, oh, "You should try doing stand up." And they're like, "But what if I bomb?" Or "What if I like?" And what's <laughs> strange is like after a while, I mean, nobody. It's never fun, but what's weird about it is after a while, you're like. I don't even care anymore. Like I just yeah, yeah, I don't give a yeah. shit. Like not only do I not care, but like bring it on, fucking try to not try try to not like like me. Try to try to not laugh right. at me. Like I don't.
1: I'll right. do. I'm
0: gonna. I'll get you one way or another. You are either gonna leave this room or I'm gonna make you laugh. Like one of the two things are gonna happen.
1: Right. right. Oh, and I've definitely walked some people. You know. So I mean, it happens. I I had a stage in Ontario one time at the Improv. Um, in California and I and I thankfully I had done the room so many times that there were some people in the audience who knew my jokes but I had tried a new opening and the opening did really well and they laughed and I laughed with them in the moment I stopped laughing it was like I went to my brain and my brain was like we don't have words and I was like (laughs) oh fuck I was like, not only do I not have, like, I don't know my next joke, but I don't know any joke I've ever yeah. written. Like yeah. every, every, I just had a blank space in my head, and here I am in this room of, I think that improv seats like five, you know, five fifty or something like that, and I've got this full room staring at me, and I've got this microphone in my hand, and, and in five seconds feels like twenty fucking hours when you have nothing to say. Oh my god! You know, and, uh, and I was so, I said guys, I forgot everything I was going to say to you. And they laughed. And I said, no, but I really, for, and I'm sweating at this point. Oh I, no, I know I've got to be, oh, no. white, you know? <laughs> and I even said to the host, I said, well, someone come and take this microphone out of my hand. Like that's where I was. I was so, I couldn't function any longer. I was done. And thankfully, like I said, somebody from the audience yelled out one of my jokes. And I just did that joke, and I, I jumped right back on the saddle and went with it from there. But, oh, thank God. I mean, that was such a mortifying moment for me. And and I mean, I still have PTSD of that moment. And this was probably three years ago. And I still, to this day, I have memories. I'll be taking a shower, and I'll have that feeling of like, you remember when you didn't say a fucking word on stage? <laughs> like, oh. I mean, it just sticks with you, you know? But oh, my God. I guarantee I I never forgot uh, how to carry into that joke to the next joke ever again. Oh you know, man. that's like literally <laughs> Sylvia.
0: Like that is literally the shit that like nightmares are made of. Like literally the only <laughs> thing, the only thing that could have made that worse is if it was like, Oh my God, all my high school crushes are in the audience. Like, and right. I forgot, and I forgot to wear clothes and I have to take a test now. Like,
1: this is, <laughs> right. this, Exactly. this, this exactly. is my
0: final, um, the yeah. I had. It's funny just to swap stories for a second. I had. Uh, I did Edinburgh last year, and I would super encourage you to do it next year. By the way, um, okay, that's the go-
1: competition,
0: right? It's the. Uh, it's the world's largest performing arts festival. It's in Edinburgh, Scotland, oh, and okay. yeah, oh, it's, okay. it's the Fringe Festival. And somebody like you would have a, I mean, massively popular show. Uh, you would get. You would probably sell out for the whole it goes on for a whole month. I did 28 days oh, wow. of stand up um an hour a day every day. Ah. Yeah, it was crazy. And I mean, I had awesome. every, I had everything. I had uh people walk out. I had standing ovations. Oh. I had I mean, it was nuts. My first day I did stand up in front of a dad and his 12-year-old like daughter (laughs) and i was like
1: oh my god
0: yeah and it was i was literally yeah it was so nuts and i was like the thing about watching you know bbc porn is blah 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 like it was so it was so ridiculous yeah and i i had to it's so funny sylvia because i was like yeah i have to um i was like i I gotta do these jokes i'm like listen, guys i you're the only two people in the audience and i want to do these jokes but i feel like i have to ask your dad's permission for me to say these jokes to you and the oh, little, the, no. like the, I don't want to say little girl, she's 12. And she, she goes like, I can leave for a minute if you want me to. And I'm like, I'm not going to walk half the audience on my opening night at Edinburgh. Like, you, you stay right there and listen to this obscene joke. Oh,
1: like, no. Oh, yeah.
0: God. Yeah, it was so bad. That's you, uh, brutal. You
1: Thankfully, cr- none of my shows are 18 and under. So yeah. <laughs> I'm thankful. I
0: think mine was like 18 and over, but I don't know. I don't know how she got in but i was like yeah at oh, least yeah. yeah two people showed up that was great but there i mean there's something about i think the thing about comedy that i love is that when it goes well it feels great when it goes bad it feels awful but what's strange is that it's like you you know you you had a terrible experience and you wa- and you and you fucking lived through it and then on the <laughs> o- on the other side of that you're like whatever it could happen again but it could not and even if it does i'll be like i've been here before like it,
1: right. Well, and now I think I took a snowball out of it and, and make a joke out of it. But at that time, I wasn't that developed. And I was like, nope, <laughs> I just don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> it was no, wrong.
0: that's so real. Yeah. And like and, and even then, but you've had that experience now and, you know, like you, you just know what it feels like. Like I feel, I, I've done that, you know, more than one time. And it just, it's, I mean, of course it's like awful, but you're just like, I think that's the thing is like people say like normal people end up going like, Oh, what if I bomb? And you're like, yeah, well then you live through it. And then you get back on stage and no one remembers when you bomb, you're only as good as your last joke. And people who saw you and, and thought like, Oh man, I don't know if he's like, ah, just did felt awkward or had a weird moment. It's like the next time you crush, like they're like, Holy shit. That like changed my entire opinion, which is why just to bring it full circle. I don't want to hold that set. Too much against the, uh, you know, adult film actress I saw do stand-up once because it could have been her first time.
1: (laughs) Right. Or just a bad night, you know?
0: Yeah, or just a bad night. And that's the other thing that you learn is it's like Dave Chappelle bombed for 20 minutes in front of Philadelphia, man. Like, it happens. Bill Burr did the same thing.
1: I feel like it was somebody huge. Like, uh, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, literally drawing a blank right now. Um uh, it's not Eddie Murphy, but it was some other huge comic that uh, did his first set one night for his like biggest record ever, and the very first night had a horrible reaction. The crowd hated him, and then came back the next night and filmed the very same thing, and it was his comedy special and like sold million, you know. So I love it's like that. same set, two different nights, different groups of people, you know, like. I mean, you hate to. I hate blaming the crowd, and I can't stand comics who pick on the crowd for not thinking they're funny. I think that's the, the worst thing as a comic you can do is tell the crowd it's their fault. But but sometimes the crowd just isn't on your side. I mean, laughter is contagious. So you know, if you don't have one person, you have it and it. It matters how how long the crowd's been sitting there, how much they've been drinking, the comics before you, you know, like yeah. What happened on the news
0: that it. day? Like what what the weather exactly. is like outside? Like there's just so much it's shit.
1: Fourteen one, yeah. Like it, there's so much that goes into everything. I filmed my. You just I, it's that
0: so is. that's so real, and I think it's true. It's like you should never, you should always keep the locus of control on yourself. But like, I mean, right. I did. I filmed my comedy special the night the Cubs won. Uh, the american league which was just before the world series (laughs) this is two years ago and i had like no audience and they were so disengaged because that they were like i live in wrigleyville and in and filmed it in wrigleyville here in chicago and it was like it was it it was such a bad timing just on my part because i was like man the cubs will lose by then and like that's just (laughs) i was dead wrong and 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 it's weird it's like that's the other thing is you have to be stoic and like just let that stuff ride by um yeah, right. I this is this is Richard awesome. Pryor.
1: Richard Pryor was the comic I couldn't think of. Sorry.
0: Oh, Richard Pryor. Came yeah. in my brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I was about to say fun. when you were fumbling for that one. I was about to be like, it's <laughs> happening again. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, right. It's so true.
0: <laughs> that happens to me so often, though, Sylvia. Like, especially I'm 32 now, and that happens to me more and more. And I'm like, Jesus, I hope this is not early, early, early onset something.
1: All time, well, uh, you know what? I blame mine on weed. I smoke a shit ton of weed, so if I don't remember something like a person's name or a storyline, it's the weed. So uh, well,
0: that's my go-to. That's I feel like that's healthy. Um, well, <laughs> yeah. we're running up on time here in a little bit. Uh, so I just before we get going, what's um? Where can people find you? Where can people get after you and find your stuff specifically comedy? Everybody knows where to find your other shit. But where um yeah. where can people get after you in terms of comedy? Find out where you're going next. What are the shows that you have coming up? We'll probably post this next, uh, probably yeah. mon- Monday, Tuesday, next week.
1: Yeah, they can find me on um, all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's Sylvia Sage, and it's spelled S-I-L-V-I-A-S-A-I-G-E. You can also find me on itunes i do a podcast on there called sexual disorientation with the director of psychology from ucla so it's a very intelligent based uh show on sex and relationships and then i do a more fun version with my best friend called sexy funny raw which you can find uh, on youtube so
0: see you're you're like you are crushing it like 24 7 you've got you've got like two careers and two and two side hustles on top of it
1: Yeah, I'm definitely go go go. So
0: yeah. Um, Well, actually, when
1: I get off the phone with you, I'm about to film um, with a man and then do my comedy show tonight. So yeah, (laughs) it's
0: a full day every day. Oh my gosh, you're you are you really you're. uh, I hope I got you warmed up (laughs) for that guy. Yeah.
1: Thank you. It's like,
0: <laughs> Sylvia, it's like every girl I've ever dated. I'm about to get off the phone with you, and you're going to go fuck another dude.
1: <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: well, thank you so much for taking the time. This was a lot of fun. Uh, if you, We should have you come back sometime if you're ever into it. Uh, specifically, oh, before, sure. before or after you get back from Europe, um, we can talk. I'll, I'd l- love to connect you with as many. I know a lot of European comedians, Um, and who run shows and would would be be happy to connect you to all all of them if you want to put your assistant in touch with me. But otherwise, thank you so much uh, for being on the pod. Meanwhile, the madness
1: continues, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.